Anybody want a better future? Anyone? Anybody want to know how to choose and create a better future? That's what we're doing here this morning. We're going to teach you how to do that. Um, say this with me. My todays. Oh, come on. We do better. Nah. My todays. Determine my tomorrows. Say this with me. My circumstances do not define me, but my choices will. Doesn't matter what your circumstances, doesn't matter what your past, doesn't matter what your present, doesn't matter what your situation is. Your circumstances don't define you, but your choices will define you. The choices that you make in the circumstance determine a lot of the outcome of your future. So the choices that we make, we make different choices. You can have a choice to follow Jesus or not. That determines your future. That defines you. You can choose to live a life of faith and as a believer, or you can choose to live a life of fear. You can choose to go through problems and move forward, or you can choose to allow problems to cause you to stop, and you can die where you are. That's a choice that you have. And Jesus isn't going to work any harder than you. If you want to stop and lay down and die, he's going to try to get you to move forward, but he's not going to make you. You have to choose. You can choose to remain the same, or you can choose to change. It's up to you. It's up to you. Choices are very important. So what I want you to know, I want you to know the power of choice. We're going to talk about vision a little bit here this morning and keep laying this foundation. And then I want to talk about the one person who really helps you with vision. That's the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians chapter 2 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I want you to say this. I am created on purpose with a purpose. You're created by God for good works. You're created with a purpose, and you're created with a destiny. You're no accident. A lot of people go, well, I'm just a biological accident, or I'm unwanted. Even if your parents didn't want you, Jesus wanted you. Even if your parents didn't choose you, Jesus chooses you. Always. Acts chapter 26, verse 19, Paul has been beaten. He's had it all taken from him. He's dragged before a king, King Agrippa. And King Agrippa goes, answer for yourself, Paul. And Paul says, I think myself happy <laughs> because I've been true to the heavenly vision. I'm happy because I have honored the vision of God in my life. Even though it cost him everything, Paul said none of that stuff really mattered because what really mattered was fulfilling the vision of God over my life. Vision is incredibly important. Vision tells you where you're going. And I want to tell you something. Most people don't know where they're going. It's true. The Bible says this. Without vision, the people perish. Without a vision and a purpose for your life, what it's saying is not only will you perish, the word actually means without restraint. It means you're all over the place. Without a vision, you're all over the place. Can anybody t testify of that? You're, 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 you're bashed about by every wind and wave, whatever comes your way. What a vision does is it gives you not just the power to say yes, it gives you the power to say no. When you have a vision, you know where you're going, you know the direction that you're heading in, and you know what you're trying to accomplish or what you're called to do, you say no to everything else that doesn't that vision. And a lot of people don't know how to say no. They say yes to everything. And it's bashed around and bashed around. And then also when you have a vision, and, and when you have a vision is that it gives you the power to say yes. So you know that something that's in line with the vision that God has given you, you say yes to that. So if your vision is to build a godly family and to build a godly home, if that's, what, if that's part of the vision or the calling that you sense for your life, you'll learn to say yes to the things that align with that. And you'll learn to say no to the things that don't align with that. You understand? If your vision is to build a specific, if God's given you a vision and he says, I want you to do this specific thing, I want you to build this specific business, I want you to do this specific task, you'll say yes to the things that line up with that task and you'll say no to the things that don't. And that's the truth. So one of the things that happens is, is that most people don't know where they're going. And there's a saying, I've been saying it for years, the world gets out of the way for the person that knows where they're going. You ever been at the airport and you don't know where you're going? Huh? And the person that comes through that knows where they're going, what do you do? You get out of their way because they know where they're going. You don't know what gate you're going to. You don't know what terminal you're going to. You're kind of standing there looking around. Where am I supposed to go? And everybody's banging into you and knocking you around because you don't know where you're going. With that person or that family that comes in that place and they know where they're going, man, they just cut right through the crowd because they know. The world gets out of the way for the person that knows where they're going. The problem is most people don't know where they're going. It's true. 
But God doesn't, it's not the Lord's intention for you to be a person who doesn't know where you're going. It's very important. Okay, so vision gives you not only the power to say yes, it gives you the power to say no. Here's the deal, right? So this is really important. This type of stuff that I'm teaching you, like last week and this week, will radically transform your life if you'll grab it and apply it. If you just sit here and just let it go right over your head, and you pull a Jack Sparrow, Jack Sparrow says, I love those moments. I love to wave at them as they pass me by. If you just want to wave at it as it passes you by, nothing's going to change. But if you'll actually grab this stuff and apply this stuff, it's not easy. Changing your life is not easy. Getting a vision is not easy. This is why people never do it, because it's uncomfortable. You have to wrestle with things. You have to wrestle with yourself. You have to wrestle with the Lord. You have to do a lot of discovery in your own life. So it's not, it's not necessarily easy, and it's uncomfortable, and so people would prefer to be lazy than do the hard work or do the uncomfortable work of actually doing self-discovery and actually trying to find a vision. Self-awareness is very, very key. So say this with me. Vision begins with what I want. Say, no, it's what the Lord wants. Really? Jesus looks at his disciples, John chapter 1, verse 38, so he's got a bunch of people following him. Anybody followers of Jesus here? Huh? Do we have any followers of Jesus here? We got a few. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. That's all we need. We just need a few, right? So Jesus looks at those who are following him, and he turns around, and he asks them a very direct question. He says, what do you want? Over and over again, Jesus would confront people, or he would be in situations, and he would look at Bartimaeus, and he'd say, what do you want me to do, Bartimaeus? This guy's sitting on the road blind, and Jesus asked him a question. Is there anything you'd like? Would you, do you want something? You know, what do you want? Jesus looks at his disciples and he's asking him, why are you following me? What do you want? Vision begins with what you want. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you what? Anybody know that verse? That's right. The desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he's going to make his will known to you in technicolor. And you know, he's going to delight yourself in the Lord and he's going to give you what your heart longs for. The problem is, is most people don't know what their heart longs for. Let's just be truthful here. You don't know what you really want. I want to be happy. That people, we use these random, like, off-the-cuff statements. I just want to be happy. Yeah, what's happiness look like to you? Can you define happiness? No, but I just want to be happy. I'll know it when I see it. I'll know it when I find it. No, you won't, because you don't know what it looks like. If you don't know what it looks like, you're not going to hit a target that you don't know what the tar where the target is. If you don't know where the target is, you're just aiming and shooting in all kinds of directions. You have to know what that target is. We learn, we learn what we want by learning what we don't want. A lot of people, it's hard. They're like, I don't really know what I want. Well, start with what you don't want, okay? I don't want to be poor. Okay, great. So we got that one off the table. You don't like poverty. So what do you want? Well, I want to have money. Okay, well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like this, and it looks like that, and it looks like this. Okay, so now we're, we're starting to discover what we want. Then we move from what we want to why we want it. It's not enough to know what you want. You have to know your motivation. If you don't know what you want and you don't know what your motivation, you're lost. And you're in the 98 percentile of most people. 96% of people never, never execute a vision, ever. So if you have 100 people in the room and you talk to them about vision, everybody will stand and clap because we love to hear about vision and purpose and changing our lives. But only 4% of the people in the room will actually do the work that's required to bring about change. It's a statistical fact. It's across the board. Same thing in business meetings. You have these big business seminars, and everybody goes, Tony Robbins or whatever, whoever. Yeah, we're going to teach you, you know, South by Southwest. That was just going on, right? Big business thing. They teach everybody in the room. They do seminars. They do breakout sessions. Everybody learns something. But only 4% of the people that go there actually execute on what they've been taught. Everybody loves the information. Write it down in a book. Put it on a shelf. You know, wow, that was wonderful. What a great experience. Oh, yeah, I heard that at South by Southwest. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, they taught me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that IBM conference I went to. Yeah, they taught me that. Well, have you done anything with it? No, but I heard that before. It's, it's across the board. Statistical fact. 96% of people will do nothing with the information that they're given. The question you need to ask yourself, are you the 96% or are you the 4%? Which one are you? That's the question. 
That's the question. So you learn what you don't want. Well, I don't, I want a family, I want a marriage where there is no divorce. I come from divorce, I know what that does, I know what the brokenness does, I want this marriage to last, I want this marriage to succeed. So now we have an idea, this is what you want, right? Now what does a successful marriage look like to you? What does a successful marriage look like to the Lord? Make those worlds come together. You realize what you don't want, you realize what you want, and you realize why you don't want it. What's your motivation? Why do you want a successful marriage? Because I don't like the pain that's involved. Okay, because it's unhealthy. Okay, you, you, you start discovering all of this stuff, and you realize what you want and why you want it. Very important. Very, very important. And if, in the process, if you can really get down to the core motivators, what really motivates you as a person, that's a whole other level. If you can just get your desires down, so step one is understanding your desires and what the motive is behind the desire, that's step one. A bigger step would be to understand yourself individually and understand what really motivates you. What are the core motivators in your life? And when you understand that, boy, you're going to track in a very specific direction. You guys enjoying this or am I like, yeah, okay, all right, just want to make sure. So here's, here's some questions, right? So I'm going to give you guys some questions, right? So where are we at? We learned, okay, so all right, so we're going to switch slides. Let's switch. Go. See, now this thing always works when I'm over there, but it doesn't work when, there we go. I don't know if Matt helped me out with that, but did you help me? Okay, so I'm going to put this thing down. We're going to pray for that thing. What kind of person do you want to be? This is the first question, right? So what do you want? People never even ask this question. What kind of person do you want to be? Well, I just want to be a nice person. I want to be a kind person. What does, can we get a little more specific than that? What does that look like? What is it? What kind of person? Do you see, you see, what happens when we push up against this is we start getting uncomfortable because we've never really asked ourselves these questions. And then we start getting insecure because we wonder, you know, can, can, I, really, can I really even ask that question? Is, am, am I being too vain? Am I being too egotistical to actually ask that question? The answer to that is no. No. You're created as a what? Mankind was created by the Lord, and the word human is the same word as the word, uh, for its, root, it's the same root word for the root word manna. The Hebrew children had bread that came down from heaven. Anybody know the story? Right? So the bread came down, the Lord provided food on the ground for them, and they would gather this, this substance. It was like coriander seed. So they would gather this substance. It was like a meal flour, and they would make bread with it, and they would make cakes with it, and they would make soup with it, and it was, it was, thing, it was bread that came down from heaven. And when they picked it up and when they gathered it, they named it manna. And the word manna means what? That's what it means. And it's the same root word, same Hebrew root word as the word human. So you know what you're created as? Say this with me. I'm created as a what? That's why man has intrinsic questions. You're created as a question. You're created naturally by your maker as a seeker. What am I? Why am I? Who is God? What does it all mean? What's the purpose? Is there more? You know, you're created with stirring questions in your heart. There's nothing wrong with you when you ask those questions. You're created that way. Christianity in the church, Christian dumb, doesn't want you to answer, ask any questions. But you were created by your heavenly Father to ask questions. The Lord says, come and let us reason together. So we're supposed to ask these questions. What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of person am I made to be? What kind of future do you want to have? No, really. What, 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 if you were to look out five years, where do you want to be and what do you want to be doing? What kind of future do you want to have? And for a lot of people, when they look out five years, they go, that's too distant. I don't think, you know, I'm too committed. We talked about this last week, being committed in a direction. And some people say, you know, I can't, I can't make these changes, Kevin. I'm too committed in these directions. You can't make these changes right now. But in 24 months with a strategic plan, you can literally alter the path of your life. Literally. It's going to take you two years to unwind and get out of some commitments and get out of the things that you're probably entailed in. But within 24 months, you can completely unwind your life and reorient it. Where do you want, what kind of future do you want to have? Where do you want to be in five years? What do you want to be doing in five years? Those are questions. Why do you want to be there? What kind of family do you want to have? What kind of career do you want to have? What kind of faith do you want to have, Christian? Most Christians are casual Christians. They're satisfied with just coming and going, keeping Jesus as a distance. Jesus is the busboy, and the Holy Spirit is the bellhop. Jesus, bring me what I ordered. Get it over here now. 
Holy Spirit, ding, 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 Holy Spirit, ding, 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 ding. That's how we look at the Lord, that we, we're, we're, we're consumers, not communers. And most Christians are casual Christians. They're not all in. The gospel only works if you go all in. The kingdom only manifests if you go all in. It doesn't, this isn't a 50-50 deal. This is a 100% deal. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow. He didn't say deny part of you. He said deny all of you. And he said, if you count anything above me, you're not worthy of me. What kind of statement is that? That's an all-in statement. So if you're holding back for me, for somebody else, if you're holding back for me, for something else, you're not worthy. You're not living up to the standard that I have placed on your life. That's what he's saying. The standard that I have put upon you, you're not living up to it because you're trading me for other things. It's an all-in commitment. The kingdom doesn't work. Christianity doesn't work. That's why people go, oh, Jesus doesn't work. You know why? Because you're half-hearted. That's why. You're a carnal believer. You're in one world, and then you're in, and then you're out, and you're in, and you're out. <laughs> I see it time and time again. People are wounded and shot out from their choices. They come to Jesus, and I say, get committed, do these things. Lord puts them together, sets them on the right path. Their life begins to build, and then they start feeling good about themselves, and off they go again. Off they go, selling themselves out again. And then six months, 12 months, 18 months later, limping in the door, wounded again, shot out again, Re repeat that pattern for the rest of their life because it doesn't ever, they never dial in that when I'm 100% in with Christ, my life begins to rise. When I'm 100% dialed in with Christ, my life begins to change. When I don't go 100% into the gospel, my life is shambles. Shambles. I mean, look around. We got born again believers that are half in and half out. And, all, and they have huge gaps and huge struggles in their life. Galatians, I say to you that the son or the heir, the son of the daughter, you were heirs in Christ. So the Bible says we're joint heirs with Jesus. We're heirs of that world. And then this one, we're heirs of the Holy Spirit. He says, I say to you that the heir, so long as they are a child, is no different than a slave. So long, see what Paul is saying is he's saying you're an heir. But because you're immature, because you're undeveloped, because you're non-committed, you're no different than a slave, though you're masters of all. By right of inheritance, you are masters of all. But because of the choices that you make, and the decisions that you make, and the position that you put yourself in, you're no different than slaves. Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's across the board. This is what the Lord looked at his people. The same thing was going on with Israel. And he would look at Israel and he'd go, is Israel a home-born slave? Are you house slaves? Why do you inherit what you inherit? Because you choose against me. You're in this position because you won't come under my covenant. You're in this position because you won't make the choices into my kingdom. Israel found themselves in slavery and in bondage. And God had made them heirs. And the same inheritance, a greater inheritance, is given to the church. A greater covenant is given to the church. Well, we're nothing more than homeborn slaves. That's why when you look at the believer's life, oh, we're just struggling, just trying to make it through, just believe in Jesus. Like Gideon in the wine press, holding our little crumbs of bread, trying to keep the enemy at bay. Oh, daughter of valor, rise up. Son of valor, rise up. Know who you are. Stop selling your birthright for pots of meat. 100%. It's the spirit of Esau. You sell out your inheritance for carnality. You sell out your, your inheritance for fleshly things. All the while not really knowing what you've been given. Not really understanding what you have in your hand. And you sell it so cheaply. And you're a homeborn slave. No, an heir of all, but no different than a slave. Because you're immature and undeveloped. A child in your mind. Not knowing what's really theirs. True. Give a teenager a credit card. You think they know what they're doing with that? They have no idea. They're immature. Right here, just use the card. Go to the mall. Really, mom, you might want to slow that down a little bit. Take it from experience. Uh, <laughs> kind of faith do you want to have? What kind of calling do you want to have? Do you hunger for something? Is there something that you want to do? Is there a passion that you have in your life? Is there something that you feel that you're made for and a calling that you have? What do you want that to? What do you want? Ask of him. Jesus said, ask and I'll give you the nations. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty open statement. That's a pretty open statement. 
Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations. What do you want? What do you want? Oh, I don't know. Well, that's the problem. The Lord's not just going to FedEx package you. You have to seek him. You have to know. You have to self-discover. This, this kingdom operates through self-discovery. This kingdom operates through self-awareness. You have to understand who you are, why you are, what you are. It doesn't happen by default. If you want the high things. So we have, all right? So we have measure. The majority of the church, if they have anything at all, they have measure. But God has promised fullness. And there is a huge difference between measure and fullness. A huge difference. Huge. But most believers are satisfied with measure. Not really understanding or not wanting to put the work in that's required to have fullness. Why would you settle for measure when the Lord has promised you fullness? I don't understand, but it happens all the time. All the time. All the time. Because we sell it out for pots of meat. We'd rather have, you know what makes us feel good in the moment than the harsh discipline that's required in order for us to go to another level. You climb a mountain, the atmosphere changes. Uh-huh. God's called us to climb a mountain, and most people don't want the atmosphere to change. They like it in the valley. True. It's nice and warm and cozy in the valley. Everybody's in the valley. It's a lot of work to climb that mountain, Pastor. I might actually have to sweat a little. Yep. I might have to actually have to be personally challenged. Yep. The atmosphere is going to change. I might feel a little disoriented because I've never been this way before. Yep. Yep. Not everybody can go to the mountain. You're all called to go to the mountain, but not everybody will. It's not because Jesus is saying you can't come. Whosoever will come, he's inviting you higher. You're called and invited. The, the, issue, is, the issue is whether you want to do it and whether you're willing to. What, what matters to you? I was 19 years old and I got rid of everything everything because I had something set in front of me and someone set in front of me and I looked at my life and I said I'm 19 I'm 20 I was 20 and I'd given my life fully to Jesus and I said if I take the next 10 years of my life and prove this gospel I've got nothing to lose if the gospel's not what it is then I've lost nothing okay I'm gonna be 30 I still got my whole life ahead of me and you know I'll just be like a casual Christian like everybody else <laughs> only problem with that is that the gospel's true and it is an all-in thing and, and God will completely and utterly transform you and renew you in every way. But he doesn't do it through partiality. He doesn't. It's all in, man. All in. And it's a constant journey and it's a thing. It's, that's, that's what we're called to do. Why do you want it? So, okay, what do you want? Everybody say it with me. What do I want? And if you don't know, say this. Holy Spirit, show me. Reveal to my heart what I want. And why do you want it? Why do you want it? List three specific details on what you want and list three specific reasons why you want it. Right? I want to be a person of influence. Why? Well, because I believe that if I can become a person of influence, I can glorify my Father. I believe if I become a person of influence, I can that will actually bring me into harmony with how I'm created. I want to become a personal influence because if I'm a person of influence, I believe that the gifts that God expresses through my life will benefit other people and I can help take them to another level. Oh, now you know what you want and you know why you want it. And your motives are pure and your heart is aligned. Now we have, now we have, something, now we have something called synchronicity. Now we're aligning with our purpose. The enemy's whole life is to get you to distract. His whole purpose is to distract you. Just look at this over here. Look at that over here. Look at this over here. And most people, because they don't have vision, they get distracted extraordinarily easy. When you know what God's told you to do, it's like, I'm not, I'm not getting distracted. Let's run the race that's set before us with endurance. What race has he set before you? Some of you are distance runners. Some of you are sprinters. Some of you are marathoners. But we're all called to run a race, Right? We're all called to participate. Where, where, how, what have you made? What is it that you want? Why do you want it? So when you know what you want and why you want it, you've established a target. You've just put a target up in your life. This is what I want, and this is where I'm going, right? And you begin to, then the next step is to begin to aim your life at that target. So it's not enough to have a target. The target's first, man. If you got a target, you've just, you know, I mean, I don't know if any of y'all here got competition, but <laughs> if you're competitive, if you get a target in your life, you've just, you've just leapfrogged half the, gospel, half the Christians. I'd say 75% of the Christians, because most Christians don't have a vision. Most people don't have a vision. 
But most Christians don't have a vision, even though we have a visionary God. Even though it tells us in the book of Acts, we'll dream dreams and do what? See visions? So we're supposed to be a generation and a people of, we're supposed to be dreamers and visionaries. Yet we're supposed to be creative, designed, visionary people, prophetic, spiritually, and then also not just spiritually, but into this physical world. We're supposed to be divinely creative through the mind of Christ, visionaries and dreamers. But if somebody was to describe the church, that's the last thing they would describe us as is creative. <laughs> Visionary, no, not so much. Dreamers, no, not so much. We are a generation of world changers. That is the standard that is over us. We are to change the world. And here's what we do. Yep, you're going to change the world. Yep. Jesus and me and Jesus and the church going to change the world. Not without a vision, you're not. Not without intentional action, you're not. Not without a plan, you're not. You're not. You're dreaming, but you're never going to bring that dream into reality. It's partnership with heaven and earth. First step, in, first step you got to put the target up, then you got to aim your life. Step one, so okay, now I'm going to aim my life at this target. I'm going to give you a few steps here. Number one, say this with me. Stop, Stop. Wasting, wasting time. Average American wastes four hours a day. Shared this with you last week. That's 1,400 hours a year dinking around, doing nothing productive. You say, what are we supposed to do? Work nonstop? No. But I guarantee you, if you evaluate what you actually do for work, you're going to see there's a lot of time in there. Well, I like to binge watch Netflix for six hours, Pastor. You don't understand. I have to watch my shows. Okay. It's fine. That's fine. Right? Do you have to do that every day? Right? Is, that, is that like your entire weekend consumed with that? You're gonna, at some point, you're going to have to make up your mind what you want. If you want that target, you're going to have to sacrifice other things. You're going to have to, the Bible says, redeem the time. You're going to have to get it from somewhere. You're going to have to buy it back. You're going to have to find that time somewhere and get it. I don't watch, I barely watch TV. And the only time I watch TV is when I'm like, when I'm really like, just like tired and I can't do anymore. And I just like, okay, there's a Time matters to me. Time is, time is of the utmost importance to me because I want to be effective with my time. I'm going to stand before Jesus and I don't want him to go, well, Lord, man, I watched every series Netflix had to offer. Man, TCM, all the old movies, I watched them all. Documentaries, you know, I had a shell collection. Man, I used to go fishing. I, you, I caught some massive fish, Lord. I'm going to show you the photo album. Jesus, this is what I did with my time. And then I say, oh, are you trying to say we don't fish? No, but people's lives are consumed with this stuff. Our lives are consumed with leisure. Consumed. We, I'm not saying you don't budget a time to relax. The problem is, is we, we budget all of our time to relax. That's the problem. It's the problem. You're an athlete, okay? I was raised with a family, my family. Okay, I showed you guys this before. My mom's family. I was very close with my mother's family. And they owned bars, like saloon bars, like, like, like drinking bars, like, not like clubs, oons, oons. I'm talking like put a shot of whiskey on the table. That's, that's, that's kind of, it was old school. Grew up in Kentucky. My mom's family, were, my great-grandfather was very entrepreneurial. He had businesses. And one of his investments was bars, and the other one was racehorses. So I grew up around thoroughbred racehorses. And all of my life, I was told, you are not common. Thoroughbreds don't eat what guide ponies eat. Thoroughbreds don't do what guide ponies do. A guide pony was a pony that just brought the thoroughbred up to the stall and got it ready for racing. That was his whole point. That guide pony, he sat around all day, ate whatever he wanted to eat. You know, they brought him out so he could lump the thoroughbred down and put him in the, put him in the rack to get ready to race. My kids grew up that way. You tell, you tell me thoroughbred stories, I told them that their whole life. Their whole life. I said, you're not, you're, not, you're not common. If you want to be common, then go be common. But you're not going to learn common from me. You're not going to learn average from me. I'm not going to teach you average. I'm not, you know? It's like, it's, like, it's not pinwheels and cotton candies, man. It's, it's the gospel. We're, we're, we're moving into the gospel. And we are called to be a generation that's more than what we are. More than what we are. And, and, and again, people are going to get, they're going to misunderstand. Oh, a pastor's trying to tell us we've got to work 12 hours a day every day of the week. That's not what I'm saying. But I want you, if you sat down and you actually logged your time, literally, every hour, 
It would be painful what you actually do with it. If you actually sat down and looked at it and says, okay, what can I do better here? Where can I cut things out? Where can I buy back? Okay, so you're wasting what? What is it? You're wasting four hours a day. You're wasting 24 hours a week. Well, this isn't wasted time. This is, you know, so let's take one day off the table. You got six days in a week. So it takes seven off the table because one day is yours, so it's okay, or the Lord's. And so you have seven days in a week, and there's four hours. So that's 28 hours in a week. So, okay, so maybe you can't, maybe you don't want to use all 28 hours. How about using 15, right? Can we use 15? Can you buy back 15 hours? Say, I, I got to commute. Some, some of you have an hour commute each way. Automobile University is what I would tell you. Instead of listening to the music, oons, 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 and listening to the latest rap song or whatever your, whatever your fancy is, why don't you get something that actually edifies and builds you up? Why don't you start listening to trainings and, and encouragements and Bible or something that edifies you, edifies you and builds you up? redeem the time. Use the time for something good. Use the time. Eliminate toxic relationships. So the first thing you got to do is you got you to redeem the time. The second, you got to buy something back. You're going to have to, you know, people go, I'm locked in this 40-hour job, this soul-sucking job, pastor. I can't change anything. Yes, you can. You've got other time in which you can, you can find. You're going to have to train yourself. You're going to have to discipline yourself. You're going to have to start where you're at. But you, once you have a vision, you can take that time and begin to turn it towards that vision. You can do it. It is possible. Then you have to eliminate toxic relationships. Debbie Downers. Anybody got any Debbie Downers in their life? Right? It's going to pull you down, pull you into the vortex, just drain everything they can right out of you. Right? And some of you are caregivers. Some of you, you have a, you have a, you have a gift and you are compassionate, and you are caregiving. That is a gift from the Lord. Compassion and mercy is a gift. You have that. But that, if you are that type of person, first of all, I admire you, number one. Secondly, I would tell you, you have to begin to budget the people and look at the relationships that you're actually involved in and see, is this relationship beneficial or is this relationship merely draining me? I used to know a gal, she, would, she had a very compassionate heart, and the way she managed herself, she would talk to people on the phone and pray with people. She used to have an egg timer. She'd have a little, carry a little egg timer. People would want to pray for her, and they'd be like, oh, Ashley, I want to tell you this. Can I tell you this? And she'd say, sure. She'd turn the egg timer to four minutes and put it on the counter. And when it went ding, she'd go, okay, I've got to go, so can I pray with you? People go, oh, that's insensitive. That's insensitive. Well, what do you want her to do, stand there for two hours while this person's soul sucks all the life out of her? You know, she had, she had 15 minutes. She had, it was an hour timer. Some people she gave 60 minutes to. Some, but she would walk around with an egg timer. No lie. No lie. And that's how she managed herself. Because she knew that because of the heart, the heart that she had, if she allowed herself, she would get carried in and just suck down the vortex of everybody else's needs. Can I get a witness? Exactly. You have to distance yourself and measure that. And, and I'm not saying not be involved in other people's lives, because some of you, that's what you do. You're, that's like what brings you harmony. But you have to look at the relationship. Is, is, is my efforts here bring, doing anything? Or is my efforts, is there no effort here that's being appreciated, or there's no value in what I'm offering? Or is this relationship merely just draining the life out of me? That's what's called a toxic relationship. That's a consuming relationship. Relationships are to be communal, not, con, not consuming. So in other words, there's a benefit that's being, that's being moved around. There's a benefit. You're being benefit because you're, you're operating like you like to help people and care for people, and you're being benefited. This person's being benefit because they're actually changing. If this person, all they're doing is taking what you're offering and sucking it out of you and leaving you exhausted and always demanding more, that's a toxic relationship, and you need to reevaluate that. <laughs> help me help you. I'm Pastor Kevin. I'm your friend. So... You have to get around big arrow people, people that point you in the right direction, people that are encouragers. You have to have people that are encouraged. Listen, man, this world is full of, dis of despair. Very few people will encourage you. You need to understand this. I'm going to help you say that. I want you to say this with me. Encouragement is oxygen to the soul. It's how our soul breathes is through encouragement. So we had uh, Charmaine's little girl in there, uh, lovely, and she was closing the door. And she, I go, lovely, you just closed. That is such an amazing job you did closing that door. You closed that door really amazing. She goes, like this? I'm like, yeah, just like that. That's great. Then she walks over to the other door, and she goes, you want me to close this door too? <laughs> Encouragement to the soul.
She's just, it's just a whole other level. She'll go, really? I'll do this too. So you need to be an encourager to other people. Most people are bitter about what they don't have. They're bitter because they don't have it. Well, what if you got happy about what other people had and you began to celebrate that because God is no respecter of persons and what he does for one, he'll do for another. And maybe the fact that God can't even begin to move blessing in your heart is because your heart's so clogged with bitterness. You're so jealous and envious of somebody else that you can't even get a flow of rhythm or blessing in your own life because your heart and, the, and the, you're, you're just, your spirit's so clogged with jealousy. What if you began to celebrate the success of others? I'm telling you, people would begin to love you. I have people tell me stuff all the time. Oh, man, that's awesome. Good for you. I celebrate that. Wonderful. So glad. God. All the time. All the time. I don't have time for jealousy. I mean, I'm, do you get jealous? Yes, I do. Okay, I'm human. I'm human. Okay? So I'm like, oh, we need to pray for the pastor. The pastor's struggling with jealousy. <laughs> I know y'all are more spiritual than me. That's okay. But what you do is you celebrate other people's successes, and there's something that happens to you spiritually. Something opens up. And God is wanting to bless everybody. He's wanting to bring good things to his children. But a lot of times, we're our own worst enemy. We work against the things that he wants to do. I tell my son, help me help you, bro. Help, stop working against the process. Help me help you. <laughs> All right, so we got to eliminate toxic relationships. Everybody say this with me. Deal with my junk. This is how we move towards the target. A lot of you, you have emotional junk. You have fears. You have anxieties. You have traumas from your past. You have to deal with that. You have emotional hang-ups that prevent you from moving forward. You want to move forward, and if this is you, you need to come to the, to the school because if you come to that eight-week class, you're going to get set free of some things. You need to deal with your junk. A lot of people have emotional hang-ups. Seriously. They have the fear of man. They have, they have you know, insecurities. They have self-consciousness. They have a lot of things. And, and it's not that they don't want to. It's just the fact that they're held prisoner through emotional junk. People have mental junk. They believe lies. They think in low-level terms. People think on these really low-level terms. We actually try to diminish God down to the level of our thinking. He never diminishes himself down to the level of your thinking, ever. You have to elevate your mind into, where, into his world. His ways are not our ways, neither are his thoughts our thoughts. We have to begin to think bigger. And a lot of people are, are, are lack because they have the wrong mental attitude. They don't see themselves as God sees them. They don't even know how God sees them. Or they see the Lord in a way that he's not. He's not good. Who told you that? They don't know who they are. They don't believe that they're loved by God. Who told you that? They don't believe God has a purpose for them. Who told you that? That's, that's the one side. Then you got the other side that says, God's going to do it any way I want him to do it. No, he's not. Okay? That's another lie you believe. <laughs> he doesn't bless you on your terms. Right? He'll take care of you, but if you want destiny, that's a different level. Spiritually, you have to align with God's will through obedience. A lot of people are out of line. So you got to deal with your junk. You're making a lot of choices. God's, you know what to do is right, and you refuse to do it. You know. You just don't want to do it. And that's why, again, the rhythm cannot happen in your life. The river cannot flow. You have to begin to orient yourself and become obedient. Say this with me. Obedience is when I don't want to. Uh-huh. Uh, Americans need to understand that obedience is when you don't want to. We are the convenient culture of the world. We get it our way, we get it now. We do it if we feel like it. If we don't feel like it, we're not going to do it. That's our culture. We're just convenient-minded. That's not the kingdom culture. The kingdom culture is you do it even when you don't want to. That's how God equates obedience. Well, I meant to do it. He's not looking at that. Well, okay, you meant well, Kevin, but you didn't actually do it. You know? You need to get past your excuses, and you need to begin to become obedient even when you don't want to. Some of you, God's already dealing with you. You're like, oh, I don't want to go to the supernatural school. It's like eight weeks. <laughs> Oh, you're you going to talk for two hours at the class, Kevin? Oh, I don't know. That's all right. It's true. I don't want to go to church today. No. It's nice outside. The weather's like 73 degrees. I don't know. I don't want to go. <laughs> Need to practice something called a high karate. Need to look yourself in the mirror and do this. You need to grab hold of yourself and tell yourself, you're doing this. This is what you're doing. It doesn't, we're too emotional. I don't feel like it. He never asks you if you feel like it. Right. Amazing. Jesus doesn't go, do you feel like it, Kevin? 
Are you in the mood? I just want to check. Are you in the mood? He doesn't even ask my opinion on it. God will commune with you when you get basic obedience down and you're moving in a rhythm of obedience. You'd be surprised how much God interacts with you. And you'd be surprised how much he communes with you and actually asks you. But if you can't get basic obedience down, he's not asking you a question. He's not communing with you on anything until you do the very thing that he's told you to do first. That's it. Most Christians are in elementary school. We can't get the basics right. We want to launch rockets to the moon. Well, we need astrophysics to do that, but we don't even know remedial math. We don't even know one plus one equals two, but we want to launch rockets. We have to do the basics. And from the basics, through faithfulness in the basics, your, your position becomes established, and God can look at you, and you can handle what he's going to give you. If you can't do the basics, you're not going to be able to handle anything. You're going to collapse. Every time Jesus gives you something because you don't have a foundation under you, you're going to collapse. You're going to collapse. You're going to collapse. Read your Bible, pray, commit and connect to church, financially give and live on mission. Do those five things. That is the standard of obedience for all disciples. Every disciple is called to those five things. And until you get those five things right, nothing's happening. Well, I don't believe I need to commit to church. Nothing's happening. Nothing. Double-minded, like James says. Double-minded. Let that person believe that they will receive nothing from the Lord because you say this, but the Lord says that. Who do you think is going to win on that? Oh, I don't think I should financially give. Nothing going to happen. Nothing going to happen. God looks to the faithfulness of the people. Jesus, my heart is yours. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Oh, but, you know, Lord, I don't know about giving. You know, that's just, I, I just can't give. You have no faith. You look at the economy as your provider, not the Lord. It's true. What that testifies of your life when you can't give is you are faithless. You can shine it any way you want. You can decorate it any way you want. You can throw designer clothes, Armani and Gucci on it. You can dress that excuse up any way you want, but at the end of the day, you don't have faith. You are faithless. You don't know who you are, and you don't know who he is. You don't know that you're a son or a daughter, and you don't know that your father is a provider, and that he is good, and that he is generous, and he, the righteous have never been forsaken, nor have their seed begged for bread. Ever. Ever. It's true. You have to deal with your junk. You have to align yourself. You have to invest in yourself. Some of you have a calling on your life. You have a vision, and God, you feel like, Lord, I want this future. I want this career. I want, I want to be an RN, Lord. I want to be a registered nurse. Okay, well, have you gotten any study in nursing degrees? No, but I want to be a registered nurse. How many knows that's not going to happen? Right? I'm going to go into business. Do you know anything about business? No, but I'm going to go into business. Jesus is just going to download the information. It doesn't work that way. You have to invest in yourself. You have to literally invest in yourself. You have to take the time and invest. People go, I'm going to preach the gospel. Have you been to Bible school? Are you studying the scriptures? Are you committed and connected to a church? Are you serving? Are you under some kind of developmental process or program? You're never going to preach the gospel. Never. God doesn't. You say, oh, I'm going to do it on my own. I got lots of friends that want to go out there and do it on their own. And their success is marginal at best because they will not connect to a church. Every single thing Jesus does, he does through the church. So if you cut yourself off from church, you're not going anywhere in the gospel. You're not going. You're going you're gonna to stutter. You're going to be provided for. You'll have bread to eat and a roof over your head, but you're not going much further than that. The Bible says, to him be the glory in the church. Through the church comes the glory. The one who does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Oh, we want that, but we don't want to partner and commit to the church. That, the, those, that verse, that's what it says. The glory, the glory of God doing exceedingly abundantly above all that he could ask or think comes through the church. You have to commit to, well, I don't like church. Well, you need to find one that you like. No, I'm serious. We, America, we got Baskin-Robbins, man. I mean, we, it's like Starbucks. You ever seen the Starbucks menu? I walk into Starbucks, I don't even know what kind of coffee I'm going to order. Like, what do you want? I don't know. You want a Frappuccino or a Mochaccino? I don't, I don't even know. I'm just, you know, I'm going to need about five minutes just to decipher the menu here. I mean, it's the same way. In America, we got every brand of church you could possibly imagine. The churches need to call you onto a challenge, and you're called to transform. If all you're doing is sitting there and nothing's happening, and there's no change in your life, you might want to think about moving on. You might want to think because, you know, well, I'm just sitting here. I've been here my whole life, and well, nothing's changed. 
I'm just telling you how this stuff works. You have to invest in yourself, seminars, education. What do you have? What do you lack? What do you need? People go, oh, that's gonna cost me money. Do you know how many thousands of dollars of my own money I paid to join coaching networks and to join, to join seminars? I've paid thousands of dollars in my own money to educate myself in the fields that I have found myself in. I was part of a coaching network. I went to Bible school, all that stuff, but then I got a part of a coaching network, pastor's coaching network. I got some stuff out of it, but it was about, I don't even know, it was like 600 bucks a month, and I paid with it for my own money. You're like, you paid that much? Yes, I did. Why? Because I wanted that influence in my life. I wanted to go to another. People go, well, training's expensive. Yeah, how do you think failure is? You don't think failure success is, is expensive? You say, well, training, you know, it costs me so much money to put that investment into you. Yeah, but you're going to gain something out of it. If you're wise and you choose rightly, that costs money, but failure costs more. Just so you know. You have to be willing to invest in yourself. You have to position yourself, people, places, and things. You have to begin to be connected to a church. And here's the thing. Get connected to a church. A, sit and learn. B, add value. A lot of people that come, you know, this is a very common thing in the church. People come in, and y'all aren't doing that. But, like, if you're here, you need to sit and learn. Sit and learn. Grow. Then you need to take what you're learning and begin to add value to the community. Begin to add value. Be a part of a life group. Begin, begin to start, what, just things like that. Begin to develop yourself for ministry. Begin to add value. And if you don't add, add value to the house, then not just add value to the house. Begin to add value one to the other. This is the economy of God, right? It's not just so you can put a vacuum cleaner up and get fed. Oh, I need to go to church to get fed. No, you need to go to church to get transformed. That's what you're, you're supposed to be transformed. You're not supposed to get fed, right? Like an IV. I need my IV. No, you're supposed to be transformed. Be transformed, Romans 12. By the renewing of your mind. This is say, go to church and get fed. Well, Peter's supposed to feed the sheep. I know, but there's a, there's a higher level, people. There's a higher level than just being, being fed. Transformation is a lot higher than being fed. I choose transformation. I don't want to be the same this year that I was last year. I don't want to be the same this week that I was last week. I, Jesus, if you can do anything, change me. Change me. He does it through partnership. A lot of times people want to take, take higher positions than they should. This happens a lot. People want to just come in and they want, to, they want to establish their ministry within the church. Look, man, we're all in. But be a part of the family. Be a part of, be a communer, not a consumer. Right? I'm extraordinarily picky. You guys know I don't, there's not a lot of guest speakers that come here. And it's not because I'm afraid of guest speakers. I just, I have no time for consumers. I only have time for communers. The people that I bring here are genuinely going to give and serve this body or they're not coming. <laughs> Sorry, you know. <laughs> it's true. You're welcome. I watch this guy bring it. He's going to come back. But Alejandro comes, man. You got some of you have been blessed, really super blessed by Alejandro. I'm going to bring him back. He's come a couple times. And man, this dude, when you come here, you're going to come to minister, right? This is, well, I'm going to just tell you how I operate, right? Some of you know this. You've seen me do this. I'm like, okay, here's what I want you to do. All right, so uh, we got two services. So I'm going to let you teach both services. And then afterwards, after the two services, I want you to go and minister to our leadership. I want you to come in. I want you to pray over our leadership. I want you to serve our leadership, right? Then after the two services, we can do a night service, and you can come and do that. If they're not willing to do that, and they're not willing to serve the body, and they're not willing to take the time to minister, I don't care if you can preach the lights out for all I'm concerned, but if you don't serve the people, I got no time for it. Church, the gospel's a ministry. That's what it is. And I watch it. I bring this guy Alejandro in, and, and I'm looking at it. I go, look, dude, I'm going to make you work. He's like, I'm all for it. He's like, let me do it. He sat back there for almost two hours giving prophetic word and laying hands on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the leadership. And then I brought him in here and had people come Sunday night, and he spent the whole time, I had to pretty much take the microphone out of his hand because he's serving the people. That's, that's the type of person. I don't care how many books you got. I don't care how many TV shows you've been on. I don't care how handsome your glossy is. I don't care. You can have all that. That's not, the, that's not the problem. You can have books, and you can have pictures of yourself and whatever it is. You can have a website and a, whatever. You can have all that, but serve the people. If you can't serve the people, then I, I'm just sorry. I just don't want you here. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about people that want to minister here. And I get a lot of people, oh, you should bring me into the church. You should bring me to church. I'm like, oh, okay, I bring you to church. I go to conferences. Oh, you're a pastor in Miami? Oh, here's my book. You know, you should bring me in. You should bring me in. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll bring you in. Let me think about it. And I always pray about it. 
Always pray about it. I've had a lot of opportunities. I had a couple big people wanting to come here, and I'm like, no, no, no. You're like, why wouldn't you do that? Because it, I, I'm more interested in the culture, and I'm more interested. I don't want, I'm not trying to put an infection in here. You know, I'm trying to keep the body, uh, trying to, I, I don't know. I'm off on a different beep. So anyway, I'll come back to this. <laughs> but that's why I do what I do. So, and I'm working on it. And if I could find 10 more healthy people that I felt like would be that way and would truly add value to the ministry and truly add value to the, to the church, I would bring them. I would 100% bring them. I would, absolutely. Next step through doors. So you got to add value to the house, right? So you want to grow, you want to Jesse connect, add, sit, develop, learn, add value. Step through doors. God's going to provide you with opportunity. You need to step through doors. So you're going to train yourself, you're going to equip yourself, you're going to go through these things. And the Bible says that time and chance happens to everyone. You are going to get an opportunity. Every single person, you will have multiple opportunities to move forward in your life. It's not, it's not an issue. You're going to be given opportunities to move forward. The question isn't whether the opportunity is going to come. The question is going to be whether or not you can discern the opportunity or whether you have the courage to step through the door of the opportunity. Right? I use poor Mickey here. I'm going to pick on him again. Right? He's doing a mission trip to Colombia. And people go, I've, I'm called to the nations. I'm called to the nations. I'm like, you should go on that Colombia mission trip. No, 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 no. No. But I'm called to the nations. Oh, you're, well, if you're called, I mean, dude, here's the nations. Come get the nation. You know, come on. And so it's, it's like step through the doors of opportunity. Some of you, you go, I feel like I'm called to be developed. I feel like I want more from Jesus. I don't know what my next steps are. There's lots of next steps here. You can take next steps and you can grow and you can develop. You have to step through doors of opportunity. Some of you, you wait for the right job or you've been believing God for the right job, but you won't step through the opportunity. I had a friend, he was believing God for a wife and probably the Lord must have brought him six women by. He's like, no, not her. No, not her. No, not her. No, not her. <laughs> My wife, Sherry, she'll tell you. He's like, he's like she's, his name is Troy. She's like, you mean to tell me, Troy, that none of these women were working? Oh, they just didn't mind. I'm like, it's like, like just completely, like, wh which, which one are you, are you looking for? You know, find the opportunity. Step through the opportunity. I don't want to get off on that. I could go off on relationships, but I'm, not, I'm going to stay in the lane here. Uh, practical. So let's just talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the guide for your future. So this is the thing. You have to establish a target. And you have to, everybody say this, establish a target. Aim my life. And the Spirit will be your guide. That's right. The Holy Spirit is a guide for your future. The Bible tells us this. I'll just run through this for you. It's very common, some of you, but it's always good to like lay this down again. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Bible says the Holy Spirit is the gift to the church. He is with us, in us, and can be upon us. So it's a trifold experience that the believer has. He's parakletos. He's around you. What's he doing around me? He's working all things out to the good of those that love the Lord. He's taking the circumstances and working them to the good. He's working around you to lead you into the positions that God has called you. He's in you, bearing witness, teaching you, showing you. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So the Holy Spirit's in you, validating you, telling you. That's why when, you say, when I get you to go, I'm a son of the highest, your mind goes, what are you saying? But your heart goes, yes, I am. Because the Spirit of God is bearing witness in you. Your head's going, that sounds dumb. What are you trying to say? You're the son or daughter of the highest. But your spirit knows exactly what you're saying. He's in you. The world cannot have him. He's a gift and the gift bearer. Isaiah says this, the Spirit of the Lord rests with those seven facets of the Holy Spirit. Some people go, are there seven spirits? No, there's seven facets. This verse, it also shares this with us in, in Revelation, the seven spirits of God. It's one spirit with what's called a manifold, uh, a manifold, um, uh, the manifold presentation of the spirit. It's like a diamond. It's like, a, it's like you're seeing different sides of him. So when it talks about this manifestation of the spirit in seven ways, he's talking about the different aspects of what he is. Here it is in Isaiah. He's the spirit of the Lord. He's the spirit of wisdom. That's another aspect of him. He's the spirit of understanding. He's the spirit of counsel. He's the spirit of power. He's the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? First thing is he's full of the... So the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand this. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's coming and bringing to you the Lord's nature. That's why when you're in the spirit of God, you feel good, don't you? Because the Lord is good. When you're in the presence of the Lord, you feel loved, don't you? Because the Lord loves you. You feel accepted. And when you really press in, you'll start thinking, you can start getting smart. You're like, man, I'm pretty smart. I'm, 
I'm a genius, right? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You get in the spirit, man, you're as smart as could be. You're like, man, I am a genius. Then you get out of the spirit, and you're like, what? Now, what was I? What was that? I remember. <laughs> he comes bringing the Lord's nature. He comes bringing wisdom. You need wisdom? Get in the spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. All this lines up with our vision. God's nature, God's wisdom. He brings you understanding. He brings you counsel. He brings you power. For as many as received them, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. This is how important the Holy Spirit is to sons and daughters. If we claim to be sons and daughters, we are led by the Spirit. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit is not an option. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit cannot be at a distance. It has to be up close, intimate, and personal. You say, I don't know how to do that. Don't worry, he'll coach you. All you've got to be is willing. The Spirit of God will coach you. He'll lead you into truth. He'll nurture you. He comforts you. He's not an accuser. The Holy Spirit accuses no believer. If there's an accusing voice, that's not the Spirit of God. That's another spirit. That's a devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. He will show you what you need to know. He brings you revelation. You need something to ask the Holy Spirit. Just say this. Holy Spirit. I need wisdom. And just receive from him. Just allow his presence to come to you. What happens is, is if when you start learning the Holy Spirit, when you invite him to come, he comes immediately. Immediately. You can be in the blackest hole of sin, and you can ask the Holy Spirit to come, and he comes. He comes. Because it's not based on you. It's based on what's been given to you. He's given to you by right of inheritance. Holy Spirit is our possession. He's the gift. He's given to us as a gift. By inheritance, through the blood of Jesus, he's given to the believer. And he comes immediately. Because he wants to be with you. <laughs> he wants to be with you more than you want to be with him. That's what's crazy. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit calls us, it takes us a couple of hours. You can feel, yeah, I feel the Lord calling me. Yeah, I'm going to get around to that. Around 3 o'clock, I'm probably going to answer what he says. You know what I'm saying? You can sense the Spirit calling you, but you, we, we delay. He doesn't do that. We ask for him, boom, he comes immediately, 100% of the time. Not 50, 100% of the time. He'll show you what you need to need show you what you need to know, show you where you need to go. He's a guide. He'll show you what you need to say. Sometimes people you don't know what you're supposed to say. You got to go into a meeting, you got to give an answer for something. Sometimes people come to you and they're looking for counsel and you don't know what in the world to say. If you'll go, "Holy Spirit, what do I say here?" and just wait, you'll be amazed what actually comes out of your mouth. You'll be amazed at what he actually shows you. "Holy Spirit, what do I do in this situation?" Right? <laughs> He only works with what's made available to him. You have to make something available to him, Christian. Okay? I'll tell you guys a story. I used to go out street witnessing. I got born again. I was like born again on fire. I was like flame on. <laughs> I was like human torch. Like we're going out witnessing. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And we'd go out witnessing. And I didn't know anything, man. I knew nothing. And I'd go out on the streets and I'd be like looking at somebody. I'm like, okay, now, Holy Spirit, I'm right here. You can say what you want to say right now, right now. Nothing came out. <laughs> nothing happened. I went home and I'm like, you didn't use me. And nothing, I didn't hear anything. And I saw, I had a dream. I literally had a dream within a couple of nights of a file cabinet. And I saw someone open a file cabinet and I saw them rifling through files and all of the files were empty. And the Lord told me, I can't, you, you got nothing in the file, Kevin. <laughs> you know, you're asking me to pull something out. There's nothing in, there's nothing here. You know, I can't. I can't use anything. And so I took that, and when I remember that, and I took, I, I took a lot, I started investing in myself. I started learning scripture. I started learning things about the Lord. I started learning his heart. I started learning his presence. I really started to make an investment. A lot of you, you, you the Holy Spirit can only speak to you on the limited terms, that, or the limited investment that you've made in yourself. The Spirit of God uses what's available to him. You have to make more available to him. Not just your heart. And that, that looks at areas of your life. Some Christians don't make areas of their life available to the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, no, no. Don't talk to me about my time. Don't talk to me about my money. Don't talk to me about my relationships. Don't talk to me about any of this. Because you don't make that area available to the Holy Spirit. He's not going to talk to you about that because you've not, you've not made it available to him. Not just that internally, spiritually. When God speaks, Holy Spirit's language is the scripture. He always speaks in accordance with scripture. He never violates scripture. He speaks in line with scripture. Always. Language of the Spirit is Scripture. If you put the Scripture in you, you're going to be amazed at how quicker. I had a lady, she came here once, she's like, I haven't heard the Lord in years. This woman tells me this. 
I said, yeah. I said, start reading your Bible. I go, I want you to read at least a chapter a day. I mean, I, people go, oh, you should read more than a chapter. Look, can, can we read a, can we just read a chapter? You know what I mean? Yeah, we should read about four or five, but can we at least read one? You know what I mean? So I tell her, I said, read one. She comes to me like two weeks later. She's like, I've been reading my Bible every day. And she's like, it's amazing. The Lord is talking to me. I'm like, exactly. He speaks scripture. That's what he speaks. True. Information, word of God, language of the spirit. Memorize scripture. Some of you take that promise book. Take a promise book and go home and start memorizing scripture. There are promises in the Bible. And those are the book of full of promises. And you just begin to memorize a few of those verses. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit has let me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8.1. Memorize that. And every time you feel condemned and every time you feel ashamed, you just go, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Memorize another one. John, all that come unto me, I will in no way cast away. Jesus is for me on my worst day. Right? And then sometimes you'll be self-condemning and the Lord will use the verse to you. All of a sudden, Romans 8 will pop in your head. There's no condemnation, Kevin. Why are you condemning yourself? I don't condemn you. The church will condemn you. The religious elite will condemn you. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He says, why do you condemn the guiltless? Why are you spending all of your time condemning the guiltless? Good God. Pastors, why are you spending all of your time condemning the guiltless? It's like all we do is run around looking for sin. Looking for sin. How about we look for righteousness? How about we look for people and call people towards the Lord instead of walking around going, we're looking for sin. Oh, there's sin in the church. And people tell me there's sin in the church. I'm like, yeah? Yeah, you think there's sin in the church? Do you think? Here's four things. I'm like, yeah, here's 20 more that you don't even know about. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> there's sin in the church because we're broken people. That's why. And we need Jesus. And we call our weeks, we summon the people to righteousness and not spend, spend our lives being Holy Spirit police examining and evaluating one another's lives. We're to provoke one another unto good works. Not to provoke one another unto condemnation. God help us. I'll praise the Lord because he guides me by night and my conscience warns me. The Holy Spirit will be your guide. He'll help you with your conscience. So here it is, last thing. How do we hear him? How do we hear him? Anybody want to know how to hear him? It's very easy. It's not hard. Not hard at all. Jesus has made this so easy. He, he really has. We have to develop ourselves, but to get into, the, get into the atmosphere, it's very easy. And you can grow. You can heighten your understanding and heighten your ability to hear. The first thing is you got to create a margin. you gotta, you got to create some time, man. And through that time, you have to honor him. Spiritual world works, and there's, there's guiding principles of the spiritual world, and num- one of them is honor. There is no access where there is no honor. Honor creates access. When you honor the Holy Spirit, it's an amazing thing. We enter, God's, we enter the Father's gates with thanksgiving and praise. What? Honor. Honor creates access. Without honor, there is no access. So if you don't honor the Holy Spirit, there's no access to the Holy Spirit. It's just true. But if you honor him, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're with me today. Holy Spirit, I honor you. You are the gift. You are the gift. I receive the gift. You honor him. All of a sudden, things start changing around you. Then you can just feel his presence. You can Create a margin and honor him. Invite him. Holy Spirit, come. If we had time, we'd do some exercises, but I don't have time. I'm out of time. Invite him. I encourage you today. Just spend a little bit of time. Honor the Lord. And just sit around and just go, Holy Spirit, come. And just let his presence come over you. Why do you think we do that little interaction at the beginning of church? Because I want you to bond with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter. If you walk, come and go, come and go, check the card. Okay, big deal. You didn't encounter God. If you don't encounter the Lord, we've gathered in vain, ladies and gentlemen. If we do, not have, we do not have an encounter with Jesus when we come together, and I'm not talking like you got to get knocked out on the floor and lay down for six hours. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that's right. But um, if there's no actually just a, a, a communion, even if it's but for a moment or a few moments, if there's no communion with his spirit, our gathering is in vain. We, we've, gathered, we've gathered in an empty way. And so we have to just take a moment, just allow him, just even today, just sit there, even when you're going to eat your food, just go, Holy Spirit, come. Waitress is ordering your food, taking your food, you're just sitting there and like, what's this person doing? You know, look, the, 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 the Buddhists do it, they get in there, you know, all these crazy people do it, just sit there and just go, they're going to go, you're right? And I'm like, yeah, just, I'm soaking in love, man, that's what I'm doing. You know, and just let his spirit come to you, let his presence come to you. And once you start sensing his presence, open your spirit. 
Most Christians, they sense the Holy Spirit and they shut it down. Oh, what's that? Oh, I got goosebumps. Oh, what was that? What was that? And when you feel the goosebumps, just go, more, Lord. Open your spirit when you sense his presence. Open yourself to him. Don't shut down. Ask him for guidance, counsel, wisdom, and strength. Ask him for what you need. Listen, okay? Sometimes God gives you counsel through the things that he tells you. Sometimes God gives you counsel through an impartation. It's your spiritual DNA. Sometimes God just upgrades you and you feel power come into you. You go, Lord, give me wisdom and power comes into you. And he just imparted power to you. He just imparted wisdom to you. Because you may not need wisdom in that moment, but you need wisdom throughout the week. And the impartation that he gave you, now you're going through your week and all of a sudden you need that wisdom. Boom, the wisdom pops up. You're like, wow, where'd that come from? Because he imparted it to you two days ago when you asked him. You understand how this works? So sometimes God will give you literal wisdom where he'll tell you, do this. But sometimes it's an impartation. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a commute. It's, he just, he just, it's like we got computers, right? We put something in the computer. The computer gets an upgrade, right? Gets imparted with something. Holy Spirit, he parts something to you. You don't know what you're doing. You know what he just did. He just did something to you. So that's what he does. But take time. Ask him for guidance, what you need, and receive it. Okay? So just a real quick recap, and I'm going to close. What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of future do you want to have? These are your challenges. See, I don't do homework on weekends. Well, try this, right? What kind of family do you want to have? Ask yourself these questions. Career, faith, what kind of calling do you want? Why do you want it? Find out what you want. Just pick one or two of those areas and just determine what you want. And then give yourself, and then list three specific reasons why you want it. What's your motive? What's your motive? I want to have a leading business in my field. Why? Well, because I want to be famous. Okay, wrong answer. Try again, right? I want to be influential. Why? Because I want to be able to give people jobs and opportunities. I feel like I have something to contribute to my field and industry. And I feel like because I'm a Christian, God will, God will enable the light of the kingdom to come through my life in this area. Oh, we're, wow. Right on. Touchdown, you know. Find out what you want and why. And, just, and even ask the Holy Spirit, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? What don't I want? What don't I want? What do I want? Why do I want that? Lord, I don't even know why I want that. You know, he'll tell you. He searches your heart. He knows you more than you know you. And this is, again, the communion that we have with him. This is what makes, this is what, the spirit of God separates us from everything, man. He, he, is, he is the all time. He's the government of heaven. He's the manifester of all that Jesus died for. He brings it all unto us. And we kind of put him over in the corner and just wave at him. List why you want it. Aim your life. Stop wasting time. Eliminate toxic relationships. Deal with your junk. Invest in yourself. Position yourself. Step through doors. And be reliant on the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. That's a lot of information. So message will be up on podcast or SoundCloud if you want to listen to it again. If you didn't take pictures or any, and you didn't write any of this down, if it didn't interest you at all, hey, I'm, saying, no, I'm just glad you came. Glad, you know. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have a prayer team available over here. If you need prayer for anything, we'll have about 15 minutes in between the services. So if you need prayer, please afford yourself with prayer. The Bible says in Samuel, God forbid that we should sin against the Lord by not praying for you. And so God wants his people prayed for. He wants us to have a, be a ministry of prayer and a house of prayer. So we will have some people over here to pray for you, and they definitely take advantage of that. But let me bless you one more time. Just receive it. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week.